There are no rules. No rules. You're listening to Degree Free on the Degree Free Network, where we talk about how to teach yourself, get work, and make money. No degree needed. Here are your hosts, Ryan and Hannah Maruyama. Aloha, folks, and welcome back to Degree Free. We are your hosts, Ryan and Hannah Maruyama. On this podcast, we share fundamentals we've discovered and the mistakes we've made while self-educating, getting work, building businesses, and making money. We'll tell you how to make it happen. No degree needed. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to the podcast. We, as always, are happy to have you here with us. And if you want to get more degree-free, because why would you not want more degree-free, you can go to degreefree.co forward slash newsletter to get a free weekly newsletter that Ryan and I send out that has degree-free jobs, resources, stuff you can use to teach yourself, and just stuff that Ryan and I think is cool. So go ahead and sign up for that so you don't miss it. Yeah, absolutely. And let's get into today's episode. Today, we are going to be doing the first in a series on what we call vocational creativity. And we've made an episode already kind of explaining what vocational creativity is in depth and why we think it's important and why if we all practice it a little bit more, we be able to expand what we thought was possible as far as what we could do for work. Mm -hmm. And so we'll put the first episode, the explainer episode in the show notes for everybody. That'll be at degreefree.co slash podcast. And you can just look up uh, vocational creativity there. For a quick breakdown, if you don't want to go back and listen to that real fast, vocational creativity, it's kind of a superpower. Yeah, it really is in identifying different vocations, work, jobs, whatever, Mm -hmm. that you can do. Throughout our time of doing this, talking to people, coaching people, we found that one of the most limiting things for people in their careers is just not knowing what's out there. And it's hard to, because there's so many things, but people don't even know how to figure out what those things are because we're taught such a narrow menu of career options in school. Exactly. And so just quickly try to do this in 30 seconds or less. I'm not going to do it. I'll try to do this in two minutes or less. Okay. And when we, whenever we ask people, think back to like being a kid or being a teenager, what do you want to do? There's a good chance that there's going to be same 10 to 20 jobs that they say, or what kind of jobs are out there even is a better question. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be around the same amount of jobs. It's going to be doctor, lawyer, teacher, cop, vet. fireman, vet, um, and that's honestly, a lot of times people stop top out there. Right. But I mean, the, you know, like there's social work. Yeah. There's. Yeah. That's usually when they learn a little bit later. Yeah. You know, maybe. Pilot sometimes. Yeah. Pilot. Because you. Cowboy. Oh yeah. Cowboy. Those type rock of Rock star. <laughs> yeah. Rock star. YouTube star now. YouTube star now. Right. Yeah. That one got added. And, and what we're trying to do with vocational creativity is just trying to expand that horizon basically. Just kind of 
expand that viewpoint, if that makes sense. Like yeah. expand what's possible. So instead of it being like, if you're thinking about being in the airline industry and you want to work around planes, instead of thinking, oh, you only can be a pilot, maybe you would rather be a flight attendant. Maybe you would rather be a baggage thrower. Maybe you'd rather work air traffic control. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe you want to be a buyer for planes. Buyer, maybe you'd like to be a mechanic. There are so many other careers involved with that. And if we just expand our horizon a little bit more, it really opens up what else is out there in the world. Yeah. And once you know what's out there, that's that's the first step. You can't do what you don't know exists. Exactly. And that's that's one of the biggest hurdles, I think, for people that are trying to figure out what, what they want to do for work, whether it's their first, you know, their first career choice or they're going back again now. And a lot of us are taught there's only one way to do things. And conveniently for colleges, a lot of the times it's a one way paywall. There's it's a it's a one way street in and you have to pay them two hundred dollars before you pass go. It reminds me a lot of vocabulary and there's that saying, I don't know who said it, um, or I'm going to get this, I'm going to mess this up. Somebody correct me. <laughs> Contact at degreefree.co if you know what I'm talking about. And if I find it, I'll put it in the show notes for everybody. But there's that saying like your thoughts are limited to your words basically and mm. or your thoughts are limited to your vocabulary. And the amount of words that you that you know know, mm-hmm. and it's kind of similar in that vein. Yeah, like so if you don't know the titles of these jobs, or you don't know that they even exist. How are you supposed to know? How are you supposed to aspire to them? Right. How are you supposed to, you know, even find them? Exactly. How are you supposed to be like, yeah, that's what I want to do? If you don't know that they exist. Yeah. So anyway, that was way more than two minutes. Go back and listen to the go back and listen to the episode and all the future episodes about vocational creativity. Yeah, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. I think people are going to like this series a lot. Um, so for the first episode, we are going to be talking about social work. And so if you're thinking about social work, possibly checking out these careers first. And that's not a diss on social work or the people that work in that field or anything like that. It's just a field that we see a lot and a lot of people ask this very question. I'm thinking about going into social work, but what else can I do? Like literally that's the question that we get asked. Yep. Yep. And this, this is the question, the the fields that this gets asked about the most, the genres of work that this gets asked about the most are going to be teaching social work and medicine. Um, because a lot of uh, women buy more college degrees than men. And so I, I personally believe um, that women are targeted and taught to just go ahead and buy these degrees. And they're told this is the only way for you to work anywhere near what this is. And, you know, this is this is your passion and you have to buy a degree and this is the only path. And they do that because that's a really good way to sell product, right? Like if I was trying to sell something, that seems pretty solid. So I think that um, that's where all this curiosity comes from, but we do get this question a lot. This one is one of the most common, like I'm going into social work. What else can I do? What else can I do other than get us, you know, get a degree in social work and then go work in social work. So, uh, we've compiled a list. So one of the things 
with this whole vocational creativity thing. And when people ask these types of questions that we have to do is we kind of have to break down. What are you really asking? Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking about going into social work. Are there any other alternatives to it? That's the question. That's a really, really, really broad question. Super. So the way that we've chosen to focus on, like the points that we've chosen to focus on are going to be on average making more money than the median salary of a social worker. In, with, in with, a gradu- with a graduate degree. I, I, I found the, the ones that we found for this. So this is a, a, the median salary of a social worker in the U.S., is 48k with a graduate degree that is not a bachelor's which most of them just have a bachelor most of them just have a bachelor's degree and have a worse outcome so what we're doing here is these jobs make more than that so not only that too the second thing that we're going to be talking about is we're just making an assumption that if you're thinking about social work you want to help people yep and and you want to work with people these are two massive assumptions that we we're not sure it, it, it's going to vary for everybody. Yeah. We have to start somewhere. Right. But these are the two assumptions that we've made mm-hmm. for this, you know, vocational creativity exercise. Yeah. And just because we have, you know, these ideas here doesn't mean we are limited to this. I mean, it's, it's infinite. You know, so we have five ideas here and yeah, let's talk about them. Yeah, so number one on this list is probably the closest, um, and that's going to be a mediator, like a legal, a legal mediator. This is a job that I don't think a lot of people know exists, um, and the reason, the reason I don't think a lot of people know it exists is because it's like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't actually know why people don't people don't know why it exists, but I didn't know it existed until I was probably in my mid twenties and I ran across someone who was a mediator and what she was doing was she was actually working as a case manager, a social worker case manager before that. And she was working in uh, in uh, family. I can't remember exactly. Like she was working with families that were going through, um, you know, going through uh, like domestic violence situations. And so she started working as a case manager. And so she was working as a case manager. And one of the lawyers on one of the sides that she was working with noticed that she was really good at working with the people. And so he asked her if she'd be interested in joining their firm as a mediator. And so that's actually how she became a mediator. And she was actually making, she was actually making 75 K as a mediator, which was quite a bit more than she had been making as a case manager. And she really liked it. She was, it was really interesting listening to her explain like sitting down and, and just how she goes about easing situations and getting people to resolve problems. And it was really cool. And she's, she was really happy with her work. Like, still worked with kids, still worked with families, still resolves complex family issues and was able to get down to the nitty gritty and actually help people figure out their problems. So super cool, super cool job that to me seemed like a direct transition from her original job. Yeah. And I'm not sure if we said it already, but the median salary for mediators is $49,000 a year. Yeah. Um, But uh, this Reddit thread that I attached here, um, 
is somebody who is a mediator and explains, you know, like a day in the life kind of a viewpoint and other people commented on it as well. And it seems like a lot of them make more crowdsource information given it's Reddit, but it seems like a lot of them make more than so 49. This is one of the things that we wanted to do for this episode because we talk about it a lot and we talk about Reddit and we talk about like finding context. Yeah. Or just information, crowdsource information and, you know, Cora, similar thing. Mm -hmm. And so for each one of these things, we are going to have a Reddit thread. If it exists, we will find it. <laughs> Link to everything in the show notes for you guys, degreefree.co slash podcast. Mm -hmm. And you can find it there. But yeah, in this Reddit thread. And so once again, we can't fact check people, but it is good, we think, to be able to see what other people do and you know the amount of money that they make. And a lot of times, I mean, it could be totally fake. Totally. Yeah, they could be making it up. But there's something to a pseudonym on the internet, you know, there's, you know, whatever. The guys it's throwaway account two six nine four two zero. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> But this person can say like, oh, I make 75K as a, as mediator mm -hmm. doing this, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. The thing with mediator is that in some states it does, they do require a license mm -hmm. and some states don't. Yes. But none of them require a college degree. You can, you can become a mediator, a licensed mediator without a college degree, even in the states that require a licensure. Right. And that's the case with all of these yeah. jobs. Yeah. All of these jobs do not require college degrees. Yeah, that's partially why we pick why why we pick these two is because these are all things that you can do without buying a degree at all. Yeah. Mediator, depending on the type of mediation that you do, this is it can be very similar to social work. But social work is also just kind of going back to social work. Social work is kind of going back to defining our terms it's very wide ranging. Yeah. That's another thing I've noticed about people that, that say to a lot of people that ask this question, like, what can I do instead of social work? A lot of times they're currently in school or they're about to start college, right? So they don't actually know what social workers do. And it's just a really broad and they don't under, they don't even understand how broad it is because a lot of them get into they start applying to jobs and then they realize it's not they're not working with people they're working in an admin role they're working in an office doing paperwork and that's what they do um, and I think a lot of them if they had known that that was their job they might have picked something else or if you or the exact opposite if you like to do paperwork but you want to know that the paperwork that you're filing is going towards a good cause. And you're going towards helping somebody on the other side of that, you know, for whatever, whatever it is that you mm -hmm. are doing. Yeah. Then maybe, you'd, maybe you would want to do that. Maybe you don't want us to talk to people. Yeah. And now this is a viable route for you. Right. But and now so, you don't have to buy a degree to do it. Now that opens a whole other host of things you could do. Right. Right. You don't have to do it in this context. I'm more talking cost. about, yeah, I'm more talking about just defining what social work is. Yeah. Like it's, it's hard because it's so, it's so broad it's, and there's a massive yeah. spectrum from working back of the office, back of the house, never just filing paperwork, permits, whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah, just keeping keeping an office permits running. or whatever. 
and then like, being a crisis manager right and on being, the street right exactly yeah being out being out in the field and whatever like doing that like, those are so much between here. that and that that's all social work yeah but you know we, we've got to go some sort, sort of direction with this right so the second career job is going to be funeral director and the median salary for funeral director is 58k a year 58,000 a year yep um I actually have a story about this one too. This was a long time ago, but I was on the podcast with these two really cool chicks that were morticians actually, which is another interesting, interesting job that you don't always need a degree for. That's a whole, that's a whole nother thing though. That's more of like a science, that's a different. I remember this. Uh, if we can find that podcast, we'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah, shoot, for, forget the name. For everybody. And um, I think I remember two girl dead girls talking something like that yes two dead girls talking super cool chicks and so we'll we'll link to it in the show it's completely not relevant to what we do now but yeah. if you guys wanted to figure out what we did in our previous, previous life <laughs> life and what we did for our previous business yeah when we owned a tattoo shop <laughs> right yeah you can go ahead and listen to that yeah but they were they were yeah they were super they were super cool and they were talking about the fact that um we did talk about uh, college actually at one point in the in the podcast and their take on it was was pretty interesting too um but they talked about how much they actually enjoyed their work and how they worked um they were actually working at a trade school too so they were training they were doing like hands-on hands-on training for people uh but they also mentioned the fact that um they thought their work they felt really fulfilled in their work and they really liked it uh because death is a hard thing right death is a hard it's a hard thing it's a final thing and it's a common experience everyone everyone has to will will encounter it at some point and the people who are there working alongside you as you go through that can make a real impact on your on on your experience with someone's death um and so uh and actually it that's mirrored in reddit which a lot of a lot of the people in this reddit thread that's linked below um that's going to be linked in the show notes about this they say the same thing they're the fact that they're able to facilitate you know peace and calm and make sure that these people have some you know some sort of closure and organization to a really stressful time it gives them it gives them a lot of you know gives them a lot of joy and that's super cool a uh, college degree is not a requirement though you may need specified training depending on who's hiring you it seemed like when i looked into this a lot of places will train you and there is i had a friend that was a funeral director we were both working a job and his previous job was a funeral director ah. and the as far as the training goes it i really depends also on what type of funeral home it is because, and I think the biggest difference with most things is big or small. Yeah. Big or small. Yeah. And so if you're just running like a very small funeral home that, you know, maybe does a funeral, maybe a one, one a week, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe that's a lot. I don't know. But you know what I mean? One a month or something like that. Like, that's different. I mean, you're probably not making fifty-eight thousand dollars if you're making if it's one a month. Probably not. But you know what I'm saying? Like the training is going to be different, mm -hmm. and per 
versus your, you know, versus your coordinating five a day. Right. Exactly. I'm thinking of some bigger funeral homes that I've seen. And that's, that's a lot of work. Right. And there's like three different venues oh, in this one funeral, about that. funeral home. And then they have like a two o'clock and they try to stagger them because parking, yeah. at least from the ones that I'm thinking of, thinking of. And so like they have a two o'clock, they got a 12 o'clock and they got a five. Yeah. And then they're all going to be different too, right? You might have a burial versus an internment of ashes versus a, you yeah, know, what exactly. have you. But then that's all different because that's depending on. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Interesting stuff though. Um, cause you don't, you don't think about that, but everybody's going to encounter, you know, everyone's going to, everyone's going to need a funeral at some point. Right. Some, something like that. And so that was just something that I was like, Oh, this is an interesting for someone who really wants to work with people in tough times. That's a, that's a really good one. That's mm-hmm. a really good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the third job career instead of social work, is a 911 dispatcher. I felt like this fell under social work because it reminds me of there are people who are drawn into social work because they want to work with people in crisis. And I'm like, well, a 911 dispatcher is kind of, that's kind of, that's kind of what that is, you know? Yeah. And the median salary for that is $48,000 a year. Um, and then obviously this one is a really important job. It kind of goes without saying that this is a really important job. If you call 911 and no one answers the phone, that would be really concerning uh, because who is going to help in case of an emergency, right? Uh, what's cool about this too, that I think is kind of, uh, that's different from the others is that this one's shift work. So you can kind of, you have, you have a little more control. I mean, as you get, as you move up, I'd imagine you have a little more control over your, over your life. So you might be able to work night shifts. You might be able to work day shifts. You know, you can kind of, you can work part time. You Control as far as the shifts that you're working. Correct. Right? Correct. Because 911 dispatchers need to be on the clock 24 seven. Right. Right. There's somebody working all the time. And so depending on your township, depending on however your, your dispatchers work eight hour shift, eight hour shift, eight hour shift, right? You could work the A shift, the B shift or the C shift or however, you know. Yeah. Ryan knows more, a lot more about this than me, but, um, but it's, it's cool. It's a cool, it's a cool job. Um, can be stressful definitely because you're dealing with crisis, but if that's something that you want to do, like if you want to resolve, if you want to help, you want to hand in resolving crisis, great job. Yeah. And so with the 911 dispatchers, it really depends on the thing that we have to be careful here is some cities, townships, they only hire, like say you you want to be, and this is usually in bigger cities, but more controlled, say you want to be a police dispatcher. So let me back up all the way to the beginning, Okay, all the way to the beginning, real fast. So 911 dispatcher, just because I, I have... We're going we're gonna to ask our resident first responder. Yeah. So 911 dispatchers, they there's a, a couple of different flavors. And you have, for usually, usually smaller towns, they have uh, exactly what that is, 911 dispatcher. When they say 911, like, what is your emergency? And some of them may not give you like an option, right? I mean, most of them, all of them do, but and there's dispatchers there that are trained to dispatch fire, police, EMS, 
and then lifeguards if you're around oceans or lakes or whatever hmm. um but if you're usually speaking if you're in a bigger city they have police dispatchers they have fire dispatchers they have ems dispatchers and then if you're around a body of water they have lifeguard dispatchers do you know if the if 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 like uh if there's a mental health hotline or crisis hotline for the city you know does that go through police or is that its own wing of dispatchers usually if it's for this for the city usually those are different those are going to be social workers mm. right like those are going to be exactly social workers oh right i mean it's still a crisis and it needs to be dealt with but then they're going to usually dispatch a crisis they're, social worker they're niching it down basically right, exactly that's somebody that's more equipped at conflict resolution resolution when it when it's more like interior mm. like not interior that's weird but uh internal internal yeah interior of your house yeah <laughs> yeah interior con interior conflict resolution yeah well, that's a different kind of yeah that's a different kind of resolution i hate this shag carpet <laughs> so also what i wanted to say about that is that some places also require their dispatchers to also be whatever they are dispatching so uh. Not a lot of places do this, but some places do. Hmm. Where if you are a fire dispatcher, every fire dispatcher that you talk to in that city, county, whatever, they are firemen. Oh. They went through the fire academy. They got their certs. Or they're cops. Right. And if you're if you if you call a cop, they're cops. Oh. They went through and they did their they went to the police academy. They went through their training. They they did their stint and now a couple of years later or whatever, they rotated into their dispatcher role. Interesting. So with this specifically, you're going to want to pay attention to your county, your city, your township, wherever it is that you're, you are and figure out how your dispatchers work. Most places in the country, the dispatchers are not. They're, the just, they're just dispatchers. Right. The most, mo most places in the country, they are not first responders. Mm. They like... Because there's two different, it's yeah. two different skill sets. You don't need them to be. Right, exactly. You don't need to. And when, it shrinks your pool of candidates too. Exactly. It shrinks your pool of candidates and everything like that. In certain Probably. situations, I can see how, you know, maybe in the beginning, especially, I can see the argument, and I'm going on a tangent here. Sorry, guys. Uh, I can see the argument for like a fireman becoming a fire dispatcher and in the beginning you're probably gonna be pretty good at it hmm. i mean you've i mean you're gonna be better at it. i mean as long as you one you have radio presence more specific yeah like you 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 have you have radio presence you know what questions right? to ask you 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 know exactly but there's a checklist yeah, yeah. there's a checklist of questions yeah. so that's not that big that's not that big of a deal but you're pretty much cool calm and collected Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, you're used to communicating with the public. Yeah. And then for, for the most part, you're, you're able to kind of put yourself in their shoes mm -hmm. and be like, okay, 
this is what you have to do and walk them through it. Like I said, it's being a dispatcher in many ways, it's kind of like being a pilot. Like there's a checklist for you to do. Like you run through, like, here's what you do, especially in fires. Like, and I'm, I'm just going down that road because I know that I know that well. Sure. And so, you know, like, can you, smoke, flames, can you get out? No, you can't. Okay. Is there, you know, are there windows? No, there isn't, you know, go into the bathroom. Can you climb out a window? No. Okay. Well, close the door. Yeah. Wet a towel, put it in a thing, mm. right? W- where, where are you? Mm-hmm. Th- that type of stuff. Like there's a list of questions you need to ask. Sure. But anyway, so before you say you want to be a 911 dispatcher, just make sure that you look at whatever local, um, cause in cities it might be different, right? Local authorities, how probably they, big, it's probably big city, how they handle it. Yeah. To be very honest, it's a lot of it is unions. I was going to say, it's going to be the union probably saving those jobs for firefighters who can't be firefighting for whatever a reason. Lot, a lot of it is unions. Yeah. I mean, so once you I don't want to get into it, but... Yeah. Once you get out of a city where there's a union, probably those jobs are separate. Yeah. It's more likely I'm not to saying, be separate. I'm not, uh, I'm, what I mean by I don't want to get into it, I mean, I'm just... I don't... Re- yeah. It's just the way it is. Just the way it is. Yeah. There's yeah. no right or wrong. I don't... You know what I mean? There's yeah. no right or wrong about it. Mm-hmm. Just the way it is. Just is. Yeah. And so a college degree is not required for those, though training definitely will be. And so just to kind of talk about, you know, when you're a fireman for the Honolulu Fire Department and you go to FCC, the Fire Communication Center, the, I think you still, even though you're a trained fireman, to learn the dispatching system, to learn your, um, you know, the questions to ask and run through. I think it's still six months. Oh, wow. Maybe. You got to train. Something like that. Hmm. Yeah. Makes sense though. And the next job career instead of social work that we could look at is a paralegal. Yeah. People don't think about this one. Um, understandably so because it, it seems like it'd be separate, but it's kind of, it. there's a lot of overlap with a lot of of what most i would say that most social your average social worker does um and so before we get into it paralegals the median salary is fifty six thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. um and you can you can definitely make more than that for sure oh definitely yeah there's some there's some highly paid there's some highly paid paralegals it's kind of crazy actually um and so there's there's a lot of flavors of paralegal so you can work you you can kind of pick um and this is where it gets kind of cool because it's similar to social work in that you could pick a concern that you care about right so you could work for personal industry you know personal injury medical malpractice if you wanted to immigrate like immigration you know immigration law you could work for family court bankruptcy divorce it doesn't matter there's so many different types of law that you could just look for that specific type of law firm and then just do that that type, you know, try to do that type of work. Um, environmental, like you can, you can literally, you know, uh, nonprofit, there's just literally so much, there's so many laws. <laughs> there's so many laws, there's so many law firms. And if there's a specific thing that you care about, specific issue, specific cause that you care about legally, and you want to have an impact working in that, this is a fantastic way to do that. Yeah, definitely. And one thing about the paralegal, it's very similar to social work and what you said to the point of what you said about the flavors and and the different types 
paralegals also there are a lot of different types of paralegals mm-hmm. and kind of similar to the funeral director it's kind of predicated on how big your firm is mm-hmm. and what your response that will dictate usually what your responsibilities are Mm -hmm. and so what i mean by that is so yes all those different types of law but then in a small firm versus a big firm in a small firm you might be the one-stop shop for everything like it might just be the attorney and you Mm -hmm. and the attorney files the paperwork and whatever he has to do, he goes and litigates and whatever he does, he or she does. And you do everything else. Yeah. And so that could be like a hybrid between being an executive assistant to being a receptionist to, you know, working at a call center. To and kind then, of being a mini lawyer. And then also doing the role of a paralegal and, you know, looking up what they need what they need and analysis documentation communication organization and then when you go to bigger places just like most other thing any your role gets more specific right exactly there's more people and so you might not need to wear all those hats because there's more people and now all you do is you look up this one specific thing like say if you're in like litigation or something and your the the attorney's the partners are thinking about, you know, this creative, whatever defense or this creative pursuit. I don't know what they. I'm 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 a little on my adapt here, but follow me. We're not lawyers. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, <laughs> and uh, and but if they say, you know, I need help in finding some sort of legal precedence for this, or I need help in documenting this or whatever or i need you to talk to the such and such and find out such right and such. And it's all back of the house stuff and mm-hmm. you never you never do forward facing right client work. you're doing research and analysis right exactly but yeah super definitely definitely a super interesting field of work if you if if you especially if you like to find find stuff and organize stuff and you have that you have that inclination and especially if you're able to pick a type of law to work in you can work in a type of law that you care about because you're going to learn a lot about you're going to learn a lot about the intricacies and the inner workings of it and that to me is is a super cool value proposition for working in that space you know like if if you cared about a certain type of law that's a really that's a really cool way to get involved and also you just never really know what kind of opportunity that's going to bring you i feel like if you're, especially if you're good at it um but yeah, there's a Reddit thread that's going to be linked in the show notes for a paralegal who um, talks about their experience working as a personal injury paralegal. Interesting stuff. And then um, it should be noted a college degree is not required to be a paralegal at all. Yeah. Um, but, you know, analytical skills, administrative skills and communication skills are going to be highly valued. So any anybody that's decent at those things, good to go. And the last thing last career job that we are thinking about is applying at a nonprofit. And this is kind of like a roll my eyes, like, <laughs> but it needs to be said. A lot of know, people think they can't apply to a nonprofit unless they have a college degree. Right. It's kind of a, well, what I meant by roll my eyes is like, it's just a really, it's like a cop out of a blanket statement, like really, but 
it is. Yeah. But I did want to say before we get into the nonprofit side of it, or, or you know, before we get um, further down this road, is that a lot of people think that like nonprofits are the only way to go in order to, to like do any sort of quote unquote charitable work or any like giving back. Mm-hmm. There are companies that you could consider working for that do have like charitable arms to their business, right? Like think of like Tom's, right? Mm-hmm. Blake Mikoski, like right. um, what it was that the, the, he like started, pretty much started it, right? Like the buy one, get one, mm-hmm. like buy one, give, give one. one. Yes. Shoes, Tom's. We'll, like, we'll link, if you guys, don't, I mean, I can't really know Tom's, but we'll link. What's it called again? Uh, conscious capitalism, ethical capitalism? Something like that, yeah. Uh, no, uh, sh- uh, generous capitalism i forget the t- right. i forget we'll the look title it up and put it in the show notes yes but there are those different types of altruistic capitalism that one. are that do have a charitable aspect to their business yeah either they have a charitable aspect to their business or they have a formal nonprofit wing attached to their business right sometimes true and so that's kind of a blanket statement or i wanted to put that in there to kind of be considered in this non quote-unquote non-profit even though it might be a for-profit company but they do you know good works mm-hmm. and for non-profits for any company i mean if you've been listening long enough you don't need a degree no just go apply just you apply. Wanna, you want to work at a you want to work at a museum just go apply at it you want to work at the red cross just go apply over there like you want to work at the, you know, you want to work at the blood uh, bank. Yeah. Go, you want to work at a local food bank, go apply there. You want to work at a homeless shelter, go apply. Just and go see what that open. goes back to, even if the, their job descriptions do say college degree required. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Just apply, apply fearlessly. Yeah. Just apply anyways. Yeah. The, 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 that is not something that, um, that is not something where I'm not saying that you won't get eliminated sometimes from those jobs if you don't have those things but to be perfectly honest it, you nonprofits of nonprofits of all things i feel like should really just be assessing people based on their individual characteristics that's like you should really just be talking to people and figuring out if they're a good fit um for sure but and a lot of them do so yeah, yeah. and so with that's kind of a cop out so with nonprofits we did want to say it like if you are if you're not sure about social work but you want to do help and one of these other four things that we already talked about and you like doesn't strike your fancy and you can't think of anything else this could be a way of kind of dipping your toe in the water and this could be a very low risk way of figuring out whether or not you want to do this type of work and also so, great experience to show on a resume if you're going to try to shoot up higher later. But also nonprofits historically, and most people know this, but a lot of nonprofits don't pay well. And if you have student debt, it's going to be a lot harder for you to comfortably take that take that risk or take those jobs. So you're going to want to apply and work at a nonprofit without the student debt. Just go work there and gain experience um, as opposed to 
first let's go spend five and a half years in college, go into debt, and then realize that it's it pays 36K to work at a nonprofit. Instead, just skip over that whole part and just go make 36K at a nonprofit, gain experience, and then try to you know apply at different ones or try to work your way up at that one if you like working there. Yeah, can be done, can be done, often is done, and definitely definitely something definitely something to note there's not one path to do this you do not have to buy a degree to work at a nonprofit or work in social work yeah definitely and that's pretty much it for this episode like i said before links to everything is going to be in our show notes degreefree.co/podcast and you can find links to everything that we talked about there And if you want to get more degree free, which of course you do, then go on over to degreefree.co forward slash newsletter to sign up and you will get a weekly email from Ryan and I, jobs, resources, uh, podcast, you know, podcast information and all kinds of cool stuff that you're not going to want to miss. Yeah, definitely. And uh, if you guys wanted to support the podcast, the best way that you could do that is by leaving an honest review wherever it is that you get your podcast and uh, sharing this with a friend. All right. Until next time, guys. Aloha.